Isn't that a wonderful reminder of truth there? That regardless of the shifting sands of the world, whatever we may be passing through, that our God, he reigns. Hallelujah. And like we were singing earlier, Maxine, that his goodness is chasing us. It's running us down. He's a good God that we serve. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Just before we come round the word, would you just bow your heads with me and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank you. That God, that when, Lord, we think that we have come to the end of ourselves, it is there that your mercy begins. It is there, Lord Jesus, that you pursue us, Lord God, Father, with a furious love, God, that you are coming towards us. And we thank you, Father, that you are faithful, Lord. You always have been, you are, and you forever will be. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been here with us, Lord, right from the very prayer meeting that we had a few moments ago throughout the worship, Lord, and we just continue to pray now. That, Father, as we look into your word, Father, Lord, just as you inspired, Lord, the writers of your scripture, Lord, will you once again speak through your vessel? Will you speak to the hearts of your people? And by your spirit, Lord God, Father, will you draw us ever closer to your heart and to whatever you want to do and say this morning? God, we pray that you will be glorified in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Now, this may seem a little controversial, but has anyone ever seen that classic Tarantino film called Pulp Fiction? Anyone? Well, you guys can come up for prayer a little bit later on there. (laughs) JK, just kidding. Now, for the record... I don't recommend it, but I watched it a long time ago in my former pre-Christian days. And there are a number of stories all weaved in together, and one particular of a a couple of well-dressed, low-level hitmen played by none other than John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. Now, one day, they're on a certain job to retrieve a certain suitcase for their crime boss. And as they do, Jules, Samuel's character, he has an experience which he believes is divine. And it causes him to rethink his entire path and trajectory. The incident is that he shoots someone at almost point-blank range and he misses every shot. And he just can't seem to get over it. And whenever Jules blows someone away... He often quotes his own made-up version of Ezekiel 25:17, which, by the way, is very loosely based on the actual text itself. But that's Hollywood for you. Anyhow, at the end of the film, when Jules is reflecting on his experience, along with his made-up verse... He says, I thought that it was something cold-blooded to say before blowing someone away. But then he realizes that there has to be more. And so he puts his gun down. He does a 180-degree turn, and he goes straight. And it's brilliant. Now, back to his made-up verse. 
Before blowing someone away, he would cite this verse and then he would ask the question, am I my brother's keeper? Which, as you know, is a line that comes straight out of the book of Genesis, chapter 4 and verse 9. Now, if you were ever asked that question, how would you respond? And that said, and continuing on with our One Another series today... We're going to look at the topic of carrying one another's burdens. And so if you have your Bibles with you, then please open up and come with me to the book of Galatians. And we're going to read from chapter 10 and verses 1, uh, sorry, chapter 6 and verses 1 to 10. There isn't a chapter 10. (laughs) And it reads, Brothers and sisters, If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone, and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as you know, we have been looking at the one another commands in Scripture. And so far, we have looked at, anyone care to shout them out? Love one another. Thank you, John. Stir up one another to love and good works. And so let me ask, how are you all getting on with those? A work in progress, I hear you say? Great. Keep going. In fact, can I just say a huge thank you to those volunteers who signed up to the various ministries that we have here. Thank you. So appreciated. So grateful for you guys. And so continuing on and building upon the foundation of love today, we will look at carrying one another's burdens. Now, Paul's letter to the Galatians has been hailed as the Magna Carta of true Christian liberty and spiritual freedom. Because from the pages of this book, as Martin Luther studied it, his heart was open to the truth of sola fide, in other words, justification by faith alone, and which, as you know, it launched the Reformation in Europe. However, it wasn't without 
any opposition. And approximately 1,500 years earlier in Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul also had his fair share of opposition. You see, after the church in Galatia was established, Paul moved on to others, and as he did, Judaizers and false teachers crept into the church, and they began to espouse a different doctrine or a teaching. In that, they taught that salvation was by faith in Christ plus through the keeping of the law. And so, the gospel, it got confused to the Galatians and it became a mixture of Christianity plus Judaism, grace plus law and Christ plus a little bit of Moses. And what's more is that these false teachers, they performed a character assassination upon the character of the apostle Paul claiming that he's not really a real apostle. Thus, undermining the messenger along with the message which is why Paul then later would he issues a sharp rebuke and says you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you Galatians chapter 3 and then in chapter 1 he says that if we or an angel from heaven preaches to you a gospel different from the one that you have received, let him be accursed. I have said it before and I will say it again. If anyone preaches a different gospel than the one you have received, let him be accursed. I mean, he's not pulling any punches here or mincing his words, right? You see, the saints in this church... They were falling into the error of legalism, which is the burden of the book. And so Paul addresses this by saying that what the Spirit has started in the life of the believer, it cannot now be completed through the keeping of the law. That there's a war that is going on. The struggle is real. Therefore, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, and you will have victory. Amen. So walk in the spirit. And as we do, let us aid one another to restore the fallen, to carry one another's burdens, to share all good things and to do good, especially to those who are in the household of faith. That's the message of our passage. And so breaking it down a little bit more, beginning from verse 1, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters. In other words... He is addressing the church, the family of God, and those who name the name of Christ. And he says, If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Now, there's a lot packed in to this verse. But beginning with the word overtaken, it could quite easily be translated as caught up or trapped. 
In that this person who is caught up in this wrongdoing is a person who, it, it isn't a case of him of a willful sin or a presumptuous sin, but rather it is a case of them being overtaken in or caught up in sin. It's like this. The situation that is described here is unlike the situation described over in 1 Corinthians 5, where a man was blatantly having sex with his father's wife or his stepmother, if you like, which was an act that was repugnant even to the pagans. Rather, the one overtaken in sin here in Galatians 6 is a sin that has crept up on them. Because the word for wrongdoing is more like a false step or a stumble. In other words, they have made a poor decision, taken the wrong step, and as a result have gone off piste somewhere. It's something that could affect us all if we're not careful. And if we don't check ourselves, then we can very easily wreck ourselves, as the saying goes. And so, it's not the same as someone living in blatant sin, but rather someone who has tripped and fallen into sin. Now, Paul could have in mind the sin of legalism, or he could be referring to the sins of the flesh, namely the previous chapter, Galatians 5, namely... Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing and anything similar. And those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because after all, Paul is urging the Galatians to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Paul continues on. And he says, concerning the brother or sister overtaken in wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a one. Now, There are a number of passages in scripture which instructs us on how to deal with a sinning brother or sister. For instance, in the case of an outright sinner, the man who was caught having sex with his father's wife in 1 Corinthians 5, well, he is to be removed if he continues in his brazen sin. The sinner in Matthew 18 is to be reproved by the church along with the elders. But here in Galatians 6, the one overtaken by or caught up in sin is to be restored. Different situations and measures for different circumstances. Now, the word for restore in the Greek, it is the term katartidsa. Can you say that? Great, it gives me a chance just to have a quick swig of water while you do. (laughs) Now, it's a term that is used 
for mending torn nets or for resetting broken bones. It's like if someone dislocates their hip or their shoulder, then they will need somebody who has the skill set and the expertise to pop that joint back into its rightful place. True? I mean, you wouldn't just trust any old Tom, Dick and Harry to carry out such a delicate task now, would you? The answer is no. Likewise, spiritual rehabilitation. It also requires those with a a, a skill set and the expertise to restore those who are overtaken in sin. And they need to be pastors and prophets and apostles, right? Wrong. (laughs) That's not what the text tells us. The text tells us, it says, those who are spiritual are to restore. Now, who are these spiritual giants and these spiritual elites? Well, it is those who live by and are led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 Meaning those who are obedient to God's holy word. To those who are filled with God's Holy Spirit. And whose lives display the fruits of the Spirit. Namely, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. In other words, the saints, that's you and I. Amen. Amen. And note... That the spiritual are to restore in a spirit of gentleness. Which, by the way, is a fruit that is listed among the nine. Amen. Because, you see, we don't restore anyone by coming down on them like a ton of bricks. Or by shaming them or making them feel like an outcast. No. But we are to restore them in and with a spirit of gentleness. Luther allegedly put it this way, when speaking of restoring an erring brother or sister, he said, run to him and reach out your hand, raise him up again, comfort him with sweet words and embrace him with motherly arms. Now that may seem like a bit of a shock statement coming from Luther because he wasn't exactly known for his tenderness. In fact, it was the opposite. He was more rather acquainted with having a face like flint and he needed one in order to stand against the Roman Catholic Church of his day. However, even Luther, with all of his rough edges, he could speak in this way about a stumbling brother or sister. And he says, embrace him or her with motherly arms. Wow. And that's the tone that the Apostle Paul is also striking. It's the tone of return and restoration. Amen. Paul goes on. And he says in verse 2, carry one another's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, 
The word for burdens is the term baros, which means those hard-to-carry, heavy loads. And temptation is a heavy load. And so is testing and trial. Sin is an even heavier load. And habitual sin is the heaviest of them all. And so, the burden that we are to help our brother and our sister carry is the burden that they cannot carry by themselves. Whether that be the pattern of a sinful behavior or the weight of a moral failure which now seeks to undo the saints. You who are spiritual are to restore such a one. Amen. Amen. It's like recovering addicts. Attending NA or AA meetings, they're often encouraged to find themselves a sponsor or a mentor who is a little bit further on in their recovery. And as this relationship begins, a good mentor will always encourage his or her mentee with these words right from the beginning. That if you ever feel tempted to pick up a drink or to use drugs, you call me. Whether that be in the middle of the night, I don't care. Call me and I will be there for you. Isn't that good? And that's essentially what it means to carry one another's burdens. That the church is to be tight like that, that we can call on. And we can lean on one another and help the other carry on. Like that song by Bill Withers from back in the day, if you can remember back that far. Or maybe I'm displaying my age right now. (laughs) And in the process of us carrying one another and cheering each other on, it not only forges a real sense of community and belonging, but it also speaks volumes to a broken world, causing them to inquire, why? Do you do that for? Why are you carrying one another like that? And in that process, we are able to share the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. And what's more is as we help and uphold one another, we fulfill the law of Christ, which is love and we're right back to John 13 of loving one another praise God now looking further down the passage you may say but Rana hang on a minute there seems to be a bit of a contradiction over here because one minute Paul is saying help the brethren carry their burdens But then in the next verse, a few verses on in verse 5, Paul is speaking of each person having to carry his own load. So which one is it? Great. Well spotted. However, it is not a contradiction. Because on a closer examination, we find two different words here. There is baros, which is burden, verse 2, and then there is fortion, or load, in verse 5. And the latter is more of a personal load that we each have to carry. One scholar put it this way. 
A load is akin to what a hiker would have to carry up a mountain on his back. Be it food and rations, a map and a GPS system, etc. Whereas burdens, as we have just seen, is a much heavier load for one person to carry alone. Spiritually speaking, a load would be akin to our mission or our purpose and even our call in life. Which we have each been given to steward and to carry before the Lord. That at the moment we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, meaning and purpose was birthed in the life of the saint and gifting and calling were deposited. And it's within the community and on us to discover what that gift and that call is and then to step out in faith and to flex that muscle and to exercise that gift. Amen. Amen. Because we are God's workmanship, his poema, his poem or his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 10. Amen. Amen. And so it's in conjunction with the saints and on reliance with the Holy Spirit that we are to do these things because I know I cannot carry out the tasks and the functions that I do unless he graces me to do that and it's the same for you. Amen. And so... Let us not bury our talent in the ground or simply sit on it. But let us use him for his glory. Because one day, there is going to be a day of reckoning. There is going to be a day of accounting where we will have to give an account for our life along with the gifts that we have been gifted. So let us be prepared. You see, many are prepared and they're preparing for their futures. In that they have their pension schemes and their retirement packages all sorted out and it's great. It's not a slam, it's wonderful and more power. But are we as prudent in our preparation to meet with our Saviour? Are we? If not, then let us begin today. And let us discover the gifts and the call that God has placed upon our lives. In short, let us sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. Amen. Now coming back to helping others carry their burdens. There will be times... When doing such things will be quite risky and it will pose a certain level of danger. How? Because we may even feel tempted to fall into the same sin. Or we may become puffed up with pride and become all self-righteous about it. And if we think that we are better than the rest and we buy into our own publicity and our own hype, then we will end up deceiving ourselves verse 3 which is why we are to use sober judgment and to examine our own work 
verse 4. Or as Paul puts it elsewhere, take heed to yourself lest you fall, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Or watch your life and your doctrine closely, 1 Timothy 4, 16. And that is why we need to be on our game, walking closely with the Lord. Not for self-interest or for self-promotion, but for the sake of the brethren. Because if we're not walking holy, then we may cause others to stumble in our wake. I mean, recently we have heard of many spiritual giants allegedly in the faith who have fallen and how devastating and how destructive it has been. Which is why the scriptures teach us and urge us to fix our gaze upon Christ because he is the only unfailing one and he will never let us down. So let us walk and watch the way we walk and let us carry one another's burdens. Amen. Amen. Now, speaking of loads and burdens, do you remember the account of Abraham when he was asked to sacrifice his son back in Genesis 22? Remember that? That as they made their way up Mount Moriah, we note how Isaac was the one who carried the load, namely that of the wood, while it was Abraham who carried the burden of what Yahweh had asked of him, namely to sacrifice his son. What a weight to carry. And when they finally reached the summit, Abraham lifts up his hand, the knife, to bring it down on Isaac, but Yahweh stops him in his tracks and then we see that Yahweh himself provided the sacrifice in the form of a ram caught in the thicket by its horns and I love this account because it is a foreshadow of the one who is to come because just as Isaac carried the wood the instrument is that me? Sorry, apologies. Just as Isaac carried the wood, the instrument of his death, so would Jesus. And when Isaac asked, where is the lamb for the burnt offering, my father? Abraham replied, God himself will provide the lamb. So where's the lamb? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. Hallelujah. In other words, just as Yahweh provided a ram in the place of Isaac, likewise Yeshua provides his own life as a sacrifice, as the Lamb of God. Glory to Jesus. You see... When Abraham lifted up his hand to slay his son, Yahweh stopped him. But approximately 2,000 years on, Yahweh would lift up his hand and allow the slaughter of his son. And Isaiah 53 tells us that it pleased Yahweh to crush him. 
Because it is through the atoning work of Christ at the cross that many sons and daughters are brought to glory. Praise Jesus. Amen. One more thing about Mount Moriah is that it's not only the place where Isaac was primed for sacrifice, but it is also the place where Solomon would later build the Lord's temple. And nearby today, it marks the place where our Lord would be crucified once and for all time. Isn't God awesome? I mean, how significantly rich is the tapestry of his holy and glorious word. Praise God. And just as Christ carried away the burden of our sin, that great burden which we could never have carried, he now gives us the grace to carry not only our own load, but also our own cross. And he also gives us the grace to carry one another's burdens. Praise God. Now, when I worked in a rehab many moons ago, it was such a privilege to see these rough diamonds being sanctified. In fact, I remember meeting up with one particular resident in a, um, a busy Pret-a-Manger. And as we are there conversing and talking, he begins to get raw and he begins to get real. And he says, Rana, he goes, I'm trying to walk holy. I'm trying to honor Jesus, but I keep slipping up. I keep watching pornography and keep masturbating and I want to quit. What can I do? And as he says this, the people in the, the tables around us, they all stopped and looked at us with shock, horror on their faces. And with bated breath, they're just awaiting my response. (laughs) And so I take the opportunity. And I begin to counsel with and preach Jesus. And they soon turn around and carry on doing what they're doing. But I loved his honesty. Because he didn't care who was listening or what people thought of him. But he just wanted to honor his Lord. Isn't that wonderful? If only believers got that real and got that raw with one another, I tell you, the church would be unbound and we'd become a force to be reckoned with. Amen. Amen. And so in response to Samuel L. Jackson's question in Pulp Fiction of am I my brother's keeper the answer is unequivocally and categorically yes we are and we are to carry and bear one another's burdens for our good and for his great glory shall we pray Just in this moment, I just want to, I want you to, if you want to respond to anything that's been said, then I want to pray with you guys that 
there are often times when we are carrying loads and burdens of our own that other people don't even know about. Whether it be the burden of a trial or a temptation that we're going under, it's just the weight is crushing. If you can, if that, if that resonates with you or if that you can identify with that, I want to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but you can pray where you are. But what I would say is if that's you, if you're carrying a burden, a load that is just too much and you're going under and you need someone to stand with you, that's why the church is here. So I'm going to ask you not to come to the front, but just stand in your seat. I mean, yeah, just stand where you are right now. Go ahead if that's you. Thank you. I mean, there's always things that we're carrying. And God is here. He wants to minister. It's not a case of us just having heard something. We've ticked the church box and we're off to better things. But this is where we're going to do body ministry because it's where the body, the church, ministers to one another. So those guys, if you can see, you can, there's a few people standing. If you, church, just open your eyes and see them and just go over and just lay a hand. If you're nearby, if you're nearby them, just go and lay a hand on the brother or the sister and just begin to pray, pray strength and just begin to minister to them. Go ahead, church. Don't be shy. You can move. So there'll be people standing. If you're around them, let's open your eyes and look around. Just lay a hand and just begin to pray. For them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. This is a holy moment. Our God is a good God. And He loves meeting with His saints through His saints. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. while they're being prayed for. But the rest of you, if there are loads that you're carrying, you may not know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, I want to encourage you, come and speak to one of us at the end. But for those of you who know the Lord and perhaps are struggling to carry your call before the Lord honorably, that there are things weighing you down, that you know that the Lord is real, you've tasted of his goodness and yet there's just something there in the way that just keeps preventing you. And if that's you and you want to, you want just prayer for strength and grace, I want to invite you to stand right now as well. And I'm going to pray for you guys. Thank you. Because we all struggle, we're always carrying stuff. And these burdens and these weights can often weigh us down. And so we need more grace. We need extra grace. I tell you, the Lord gave me grace this morning because my grandmother passed away last night. And I heard this morning and feeling a little fragile, a bit broken, but yet God is gracious. And this morning the brothers were praying for me and that is what sustains us. 
And what keeps us going, church, it's not, we're not, you know, not one of us holds all the power, all the, you know, all, all of those things. We're not supermen and women, but we are recipients of grace. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that, Lord Jesus, you are such an amazing God. Father, words just cannot put it into practice, Lord God, or capture the essence of what I'm trying to communicate. But, God, you are just the ancient of days. You are glorious, Lord God, faithful, pure, bright, holy, and magnificent, and, Lord, just majestic. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, as the the angels inquire, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you have set your love upon him? Father, I want to thank you that, God, you are the one, Father, who sees us and all we are are but dust, Lord God, here today, gone tomorrow, Lord God. And yet, Father, you have, Lord, placed your seal of love upon each one of your children. You love us with an everlasting love. And my Father, there are times when we get caught up, Lord God, in the, the things of life, the busyness of it all, that we begin, Lord God, to carry loads and burdens, Lord God, which are not ours to carry, Father. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, release, I pray, Father, freedom for those who are carrying heavy burdens, that, God, that as they come to your courts this morning, Lord, as they, Lord, have stepped up and stood up in faith, Lord God, praying that those burdens be taken, Lord, I pray that will you do, Lord, a work, Father, of release and bring freedom and deliverance, Lord God, Father, to those souls. Father, we pray that you will help each one of us to carry loads, to carry the call and the gifts that you have placed within us. Father, we want to thank you that we have in our arsenal the whole of the armour of God that you call us to put it on, so why wouldn't we, Lord? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you removed the greatest burden ever, Lord God, and you have liberated us and you have brought freedom. So, Father, we pray that you will strengthen your children. God, we pray that, Lord, that they will feel a a lightness, Lord God, in their step. And, Father, we just pray, Lord, liberty, freedom, grace, and love. All for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to go into communion.